So it's it's good to be here. <clears throat> I vaguely thought I would be in front of this stuff, but uh, it became reality today. Excuse me. I feel like one of those old preachers now that need to have a little sip of water before they... Um, I never thought I'd get to that day. You know, I've always seen the pastor, I need some water, I need some water. Well, you know, but leading worship before this and uh, probably not being the right... Uh, Hydration and all that really uh, probably doesn't help. So anyways, we're going to be in John 3 this morning. John 3 this morning. Um, so uh, I told you all this last week I, I was going to come back and preach on Second Peter. Uh, but, you know, God kind of changed my heart about Friday. And, uh, you know, he, he brought this story of Nicodemus to me. Um, I feel like that, that this is a, a good passage because it kind of gives us the basics. Because I think we can all kind of find ourselves where Nicodemus found himself. Trying to understand something that we may not quite grasp, that we may not quite be able to get around. Being embarrassed to maybe ask in front of somebody, but uh, knowing that I need to know this answer. Yesterday, Adam was saying we had done some work. I am not the construction guru. I am not the tool guru. I, I, I do what I need to do for my job, and that's about the extent. Uh, my dad taught me to cut grass, and even that, I'm not great at attention to detail. So I'm not the greatest of grass cutters, but I can kind of get around and change and maintain and equipment and stuff. That's about it. That's about the... the, the not the blue collarist thing that my dad taught me to do, but that's kind of was our family thing. Every Saturday, we go and cut grass. So yesterday, when Adam, uh, I mean, when John, he says, here, why don't you take a try? There was actually a tool that uses a bullet and a charge, I guess, that, I mean, you, you hammer it. I guess it was one time, because y'all were doing it one time, and it discharges a bullet into the ground, a nail that, that creates and it keeps the, the baseboard there. And I, that was the first time I had ever seen that, um, and I wanted to be as far away. Y'all thought the dog was scared. Y'all really didn't know how scared I was. But, uh, yeah, so, no, I, I, I passed on that. I, I was afraid it would end up lodged in someone's foot or someone's eye, and then that wouldn't, that wouldn't be good. Because you can explain it to me. I was watching. I was intrigued. But it was, it was crazy. I, I'd never seen something like that. So explaining it to me, someone did explain it to me. Still kind of didn't quite understand how it all worked there. But I just know when they bang on this tool, it makes a loud noise. And me and the dog go uh, elsewhere. So complex terms. Here, here this guy, Nicodemus. He's coming to Jesus at night. He's coming because he's seen something in Jesus' ministry, and he wants to question him for, uh, further. This guy was a little different than the rest of those that he was serving with. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he, he had come at night. So those two things, we're going to talk about that in a second. But I want to read to you all the passage. John 3, John 3 says, There was a man from the, from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could, do, could perform these signs uh, you do unless you were with them. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anybody be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? 
Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind, blows and where it, uh, the wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can these things be, asked Nicodemus? Are, uh, are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied, truly I tell you, we speak what we know and have, we testify what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except for the Son uh, who, ascended, who, who descended uh, from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God, loves, for God loves the world in this way, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is judgment. The light has come in, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than the light, because of their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes into the light, so that his words may be shown to be accomplished by God. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this. Uh, this dialogue that happens in the Bible. Lord, we thank you for people like Nicodemus who had a hunger to know more about you. Father, I pray that as we come here to worship you, Lord, that if we don't know you, that you would put in us a hunger to know more about you. That if we do know you, Lord, that we can understand what it means that you love us and that you gave your son for us and that we can worship you more fully. Lord, be with us as we, as we look into what your word says. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Nicodemus is coming at night to see Jesus. And Jesus talks to him. The first thing he kind of says to him, to, to Nicodemus, is about flesh and spirit. About flesh and spirit. Words can have different meaning. Um, it's amazing when someone says uh, a certain word, how other people will think of so many different words. We have something, uh, and we were just talking about bullets. We were talking uh, in, in my line of work in metering, in, in really complex meters. What they, what, what we, the slang we use when we try to shoot a program into that meter is we shoot a bullet into the meter. I was very uh, alarmed when I came in on a high-end discussion and they were talking about shooting bullets at meters or into meters. It means different things. To me, it means uh, that projectile that comes out of a gun. To others, it might mean that thing that's going to keep that board steady and safe. To others, it might mean uh, a program that's going into a meter. Totally different, drastic things thinking differently. And when we see Jesus and Nicodemus talking, Jesus gave him this, um, this figure of speech. 
that he had to be born again. Remember, Jesus is using these analogies to kind of give us a, a visualization. Just recently in the, in the chapter before, he talks about in, in verse 19, he says, Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. Therefore, the Jews says, this temple took 46 years to build and you'll raise it up in three days? Jesus is trying to get another point across there. In that passage, he was talking about his resurrection. In this passage, he's talking about coming into God's kingdom, being born again. Nicodemus coming to Jesus, uh, it says in that passage that he was a Pharisee. He knew the law, and if Jesus was saying things, he should be able to kind of keep up with Jesus in his mind. He was a ruler, and a lot of times when you look through the Bible, when you see the Pharisees come up, there are people who come up and they're trying to, to trick Jesus. They're trying to, to get Jesus to say something so that they can see, aha, you see, this guy is, is, a, is fraudulent, or this guy is, is blasphemous, or now we could finally put him in jail, and now we could finally deliver him to be killed. We see Jesus here with Nicodemus coming at night so that no one would see. This world, uh, see uh, Jesus' miracles in recognizing, he saw Jesus' miracles and recognized something was different about Jesus. This world uh, reveres or hates Jesus. There's no middle ground. Think about that, you know. A lot of times we get very, if you were talking about Jesus, it's, it's either a joke or it's, or it's in belief. Jesus, there is no middle ground. You can talk to someone about God pretty easily. But when Jesus comes in, Jesus puts it to where there is no middle ground, and you'll see it here in this passage. He's willing to say the tough things. He's willing to say, Nicodemus, there's no way you're going to enter God's kingdom unless you're born again, something that Nicodemus could not understand. Nicodemus did not understand what Christ was saying here. Don't be discouraged when you go to church and when we get in God's word and you don't understand. It's okay to not understand. Continue to walk out what God has in front of you. I remember talking to a friend of mine. I had invited him to church, and uh, after church he was a kid that had come from no church background. And I remember him asking me, man, I enjoy going to church. It's a lot of fun, but I don't know what the heck y'all are talking about. What is iniquity? What is righteousness? What is unrighteousness? Stuff, iniquity, I, I had no idea even how to, how to define that. It's okay to not understand. But I love what Nicodemus does here. It's not that he stays to where he can't understand, but he has a conversation with Jesus. If we seek, when we seek Christ with those terms and those things that are hard to understand, it's amazing how he helps us to understand it. Jesus talks, uh, it gives them this analogy. Nicodemus doesn't understand it. As the passage moves forward, he helps Nicodemus to understand it. So much so that it gave us one of the clearest verses in the whole Bible about what it means to follow after Jesus. So we see the flesh and spirit. Secondly, we see a lifted Savior, a lifted Savior. Uh, 
Anybody know, I, I love watching the, the movie The Patriot. We just got past 4th of July, and that movie, if, if, if you guys were, were scrolling through the TV, I'm sure you find the movie The Patriot. And it's just incredible in that last fight scene, when, they're, when the battle's going on and when the militia falls out, they, uh, the guy grabs the flag as they're retreating and says, no, no, he waves that flag and tells them it's not time to retreat. That flag going forward toward the enemy was a, a sign of, of comfort, was a sign of leadership, was a sign that we needed to follow that. Those soldiers needed to follow that flag. Francis Scott Key, if you know the story behind the, uh, the Star Spangled Manor, when Francis Scott Key was a prisoner of war, and as he was a prisoner of war, he was on a, on a ship as a prisoner. He comes down the deck to, um, uh, he comes down the deck, uh, during the battle, I think the Battle of Baltimore, and he writes the first verse of the Star Spangled Banner because he didn't know whether he would see the fort hold or not. Whether he would see the banner waving or not. And he describes the euphoria that he felt when you read that song, uh, when you read that, uh, the national anthem. He describes the euphoria that he felt to see that, uh, that his country hadn't fallen. It means so much to see a flag or something lifted up. It means so much to the morale of soldiers and to the morale of folks. We have something greater than that. We have a Savior who was lifted up. Look at what verse uh, 14 says. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. What's he talking about the snake in the wilderness? The snake in the wilderness. I'll read you the passage real quick. Here in, in Numbers 21, it says, they, Then they set out from Mount uh, Hor by the way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom, but the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us up from Egypt to die here in the wilderness? There is no bread or water. We detest this wretched food. Then the Lord sent the poisonous snakes among the people and bit them that so many, that, uh, bit them, so many Israelites died. But the people then came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede with us so that uh, he will take the snakes away from us. Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make, make a snake image mounted on a pole. When anyone who has bitten looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. Whenever someone was bitten, he looked and took, he looked at the bronze snake and was recovered. Now, a lot of you folks are probably saying, yeah, I, I would be out at the part where they talk about the snakes there. Well, in this thing, the snakes come and they're biting these folks and some folks have died. But when they made that bronze thing so that the people can look up and they lifted it up so that those who were hurt could recover, so that those who were bitten could recover. Look at what verse 14 says again. So the Son of Man must be lifted up, continuing in verse 15, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. The Son of Man is not just lifted up so we could get better. The Son of Man is not just lifted up so we can have a better circumstance in this life. It says so that he may have eternal life. The greater person has been lifted up. The greater snake, the greater healer has been lifted up. 
in the person of Jesus Christ. So then we come to this summary of the gospel here in verse 16 about the lifted up Savior. It says, For God so loved the world, in this way he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but, so, but to save the world through him. He loves you. I, I've said that plenty of times. And we see this here. God so loved the world. He loves you. He wants you to look to him to have eternal life. I love this. this if you get into the Greek of this verse here, that right in the middle it says, uh, he gave his one and only son. That's, that's, a, that's a kind of a, uh, two things. It's kind of a... Double, not a double meaning, but it's kind of emphasizing that Christ was his only option. Christ was his only son. Christ got all of his affection, all the Father's affection, and he sent him to die among us. Again, kind of getting into the, into the original language here, so that everyone who believes in him, it doesn't, it doesn't just say to believe him. If it said to believe him, That'd be, you know, we just look at what he says and we believe him. But we see this, we see this uh, that goes a little further. It really means to believe into him. So that way when, it's, when we believe into him, it's not us. It's Christ. Faith, uh, Wayne Grudem says this, Faith is an activity that takes, takes one out of self and makes them one with Christ makes them one with Christ. Instead of seeing our faithlessness, instead of seeing our sin, he looks at his son. Faith into Christ for eternal life. God gave us a mission to bring to the world, and he also brought it to us, that we would share this gospel with others. So we've got the flesh and spirit. We've got the lifted Savior. Lastly, Belief and unbelief. Belief and unbelief. Jesus gets really uncomfortable now. Jesus, not, not that he's uncomfortable, but it gets to a point where, where, where he's going to put it on the line and tell you the bottom line here. What's the bottom? There's another side. We, we stop at verse 16 and we talk about believing into Christ and we talk about eternal life and we stop it right there. But if we were to read this in context, there's another side to this. There's a scary side to this and a beautiful side on the counter. It says, anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he does not believe in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates light and avoids it, so that his deeds might not be exposed. There's, uh, when we see Christ, when we see some of his most poignant teachings, he teaches in twos. Um, he teaches that there's this and then there's that. If you were to go to the end of the Sermon on the Mount talks about the parable of twos there. The parable of twos is Jesus. Jesus kind of talks about there being sheep 
and there being goats. There being those who listen and believe, those who listen and do, and those who don't listen and do. Those who hear and do, and those who don't. It's a, uh, Jesus gets to, uh, to this line just to warn us that there is repercussions to not believing. And then he goes into this light versus darkness. The problem with light is that it exposes us. It exposes us. And I pray that as that light comes on us, as we read God's word, that you don't shy away, but that you come to him, the Savior who loves you, who died for your sins, so that you may live in him. So what was the fallout of Nicodemus? What was the fallout? What, what eventually happened to Nicodemus here? And that's going to kind of be the conclusion. What happened to Nicodemus? We see Nicodemus make an appearance again in John 7. John 7, verse 45, he says this. Then the servants came to the chief priest and the Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him? The servants answered, no man, ever sp- uh, well, no man ever spoke like this. When the Pharisees responded to them, Are you fooled too? Have, you, uh, have any of you rulers or Pharisees believed in him? But the crowd uh, which does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, the one who came to, uh, came to him previously, was one of them and said to them, Our law does not judge a man before it hears from him and knows what he is doing and does it. And then they say to him, are you from Galilee too, are you? Or you uh, uh, they say, I'm sorry, you aren't from Galilee too, are you? They replied, investigate and you will see that no prophet arises from Galilee. So we see Nicodemus, after this encounter with Christ, standing up for him. Standing up for him and saying, hey, we need to give this man a chance to be heard. We need to give this man a chance to be heard. We see Nicodemus again. In, ver- in, in chapter 19, verse 38, it says here, After this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a, b- a disciple of Christ, but secretly because of fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might remove the body of, uh, remove Jesus' body. Pilate gave him permission so that he came and took his body away. Nicodemus, who, had, who, be, uh, who previously came to him at night, also came bringing a mixture uh, about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. They took Jesus' body and wrapped it in linen clothes with fragrant spices, according to the burial custom of the Jews. There was a garden in the place where the, he was crucified. A tomb was in the garden. No one had been placed in it. They placed Jesus there because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby. We see this person as... As, all, as we talked about Peter's character and the disciples' characters before and how they all kind of scattered and left, we see this person, Nicodemus, having pity on Christ, taking the body, preparing it for burial. I, when, when you see, and I've, I've said this to folks too, when you see a proper name used in the Bible, usually it's because they're a key player, they're a big player. But... Sometimes when you see these names, you know, they, they, they had Anaphis and they had Caiaphas, and we knew who they were. They were the high priests. They, they were the guys working behind the scene. But you see this, this guy, Nicodemus, he had his name in the Bible. And there's reason to believe that Nicodemus, because he showed it here, that Nicodemus had given his life to Christ. 
that Nicodemus, even though being one of the furthest off from Christ, had come to Jesus, had buried him as a wise man. And it even said in that passage about Joseph, who secretly followed after Jesus. I'm sure Nicodemus, right along those, those lines. Remember, there's nobody too far gone that Christ can't reach. Nicodemus was in the, the den of lions. But Christ came, had this conversation with him, and we see fruits of what God did in his life. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you and praise you for who you are, Lord. I pray that as we, uh, as we leave here today, Lord, that we would be encouraged by the story of Nicodemus. Lord, that we would know that you love us and that you want us to believe into you. Lord, be with us as we, uh, as we leave this place. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.